Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisler Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Might we finally be turning a corner, guys? Are there brighter days to come? Are there things that are happening on the horizon that are indicating the world is returning to normal? No, not enough. Not at all. We're still we're still <laughs> locked down. We're yeah. still in the middle of social upheaval and unrest, but we're here to talk to you to give you surprisingly some new news in the world of Star Wars, guys. Hey, what do you say? Hey. I'm I'm in. You guys, I say the force is strong with this group. That's what I say. We need we need some more episode energy. We need some more energy in this episode from you guys, members of the Wretched Hive, because listeners, you have found us. Congratulations, we're here for you in episode 154. I think I called last episode 151 or 52, and I was completely wrong. It was 153 last episode, and Did this the one internet correct you 154. <laughs> Uh, I think Apple Podcasts corrected me when I looked at the episode. And it is Friday, June the 19th. We have determined that this group is very, very bad at math. This group is the worst at math, except for it is June the 19th. And this is episode 154 of the Wretched Hive Podcast. Coming at you. Thanks for joining in. I personally am the Wookiee co-pilot Greg Lent. With me by my side tonight, of course, as always... Anthony Daniels as C3PO. I'm so glad he's here because he's such a benefit to the show. So last week, Anthony, I'm gonna tell you you were a little bit low energy. What did you do to prepare for this week's show? I spent three years at drama school. The last show was only two weeks ago, Anthony. How could you have spent three years at drama school? It's ridiculous. <laughs> Guys, also joining us tonight, of course, he is lifelong Star Wars fan. Ivansky. Oh, Greg Lent, it is so good to be here, um, guys. I'm I'm going a little retro this uh, this week. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be talking about something back in the old 2005 era. So I, I'm excited. I thought you were gonna be wearing a diaper. I thought that I, was well. The... I always wear a diaper. It's just just uh, in honor of our president. Because that <laughs> would be very retro of you to wear a diaper. Yeah, that, right. that's 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 going full Marv Albert right there. Exactly. <laughs> Also, joining the show tonight, of course, he is the captain of the Nico Rodriguez. Hey, Ooh. hi. How we doing, guys? Fantastic. You? Good to hear. Very Tell well. Me. Thank you. What's happening? What's going oh, yeah. on? Living life and loving it. Start my new promotion job on Monday. Yeah, you heard it here. A millennial got a promotion in the big bad corporate world. What? Millennials getting promotion? That is impossibility. I heard that the only thing that happens is the man keeping you down. That's right. Pretty much, but you know, I'm working on it. The right world now. really is ending. Welcome to management. You are now the man. I am now the man. And finally, we have Dave. Do not ever call me under any circumstances, none whatsoever. With Harry Potter. Nice. Wow, I felt a big warm fuzzy off that one. <laughs> that was uh, that was a quick one there. That is not what she said. Well, 
Wow. Okay. So, hey, good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening to you. We are again uh, four by four tonight, not five by five. Uh, Steve is still frozen in carbonite, but he's uh, quite well protected there. As you can hear, that carbonite is shielding him very well. Locked down tight, encased in perfect hibernation. Perfect hibernation, sir. Perfect hibernation. Dave, are we going to get weekly updates on his status? Like, just not in Carbonite? Is he in transport? Is he on the Slave 1? Do we know any of this information? Well, first of all, we're not going to get weekly updates because it's an every-other-week show. I just have to point that out. I'm going to go with that. Because I'm I'm that guy. (laughs) Drinking and math is hard. That's all I'm saying. I will say, in four years of doing this show, Steve never— got the point that this was a bi-weekly show. He would always say this week or last week. That's, that is true. <laughs> yeah, this week, last week, next week. It was always, yeah. yeah. Last week yeah. on the Wretched Hive. Nothing exactly. happened because the Hive wasn't on last week. <laughs> because it's a freaking bi-weekly show. Come on, Steve. That's why we had to encase him in carbonite, because the man is literally lost in time. So <laughs> He's making up for it. He's, yes, he's... he is. He is making up for it. So, guys, there's actually some stuff to talk about. No. ABC News World Headquarters. This is ABC World News Tonight. (laughs) No, it's not. It's Star Wars news with the Wretched Hive. So be it. Yes, I know it seems like it has been a really, really, really long time since we've had any uh, news to talk about about Star Wars. And it is not all actually the best news. Because, guys, coming up in just two short months was Star Wars Celebration. And I hope you note the, the, the key word that I said in there is was. Because they did the finally announce, to the surprise of no one, absolutely, that Celebration has been canceled this year. It was scheduled to go in uh, late August this year, and it will not be happening in 2020. Well, But, but Greg, I'm excited we're going to be able to have it next year, right? Uh, are we, though? Are we? <laughs> because hey. not hey, only oof. no 2020, no 2021, 2022, guys. Mark your calendars now for 2022 <laughs> in Anaheim, California. What do you think? It's painful. Yeah, it's painful. It's a rough year this year because this year being the 40th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back, um, you know, they're obviously uh, amped about season two of The Mandalorian, uh, continuing on with the Obi-Wan series. Uh, High Um, Republic was supposed to launch later this year. High Republic was supposed to launch later this year. Um, Yeah, now now it's, it's, it's just a big old black hole of nothing that's out there. And this kind of let, you know, we've been keeping an, an eye on the cons and everything like that. And this was kind of the last one out there. I still don't think that there is a, the next big one that I can think of, because obviously Comic-Con canceled, E3 canceled, uh, PAX, another video game kind of gaming convention, that's been canceled. Uh, the next one that I can think of that I don't know is actually officially scheduled would have been D23. Does anybody have any info on D23 of what, what might be going on? That's the big Disney convention. You know, Marvel is kind of, or Disney has kind of sh- shied away all of their big, big, big properties over to D23 the past few years. But I think that's just kind of been shuttered altogether all as well. I wouldn't be I, surprised if, I haven't heard anything But Dave. Do you know? I haven't heard anything either. And that's what leads me to suspect that it's, uh, that it's done. Yeah. 
Well, you know, I did mention Comic-Con in there, and it is, of course, canceled. But there are nebulous plans. Have you heard about this, guys, of the Comic-Con at home? Have you guys heard about that? Only in so much as they are looking at doing something called Comic-Con at home. And there's been no real official announcement about it yet. And uh, But it does look like that there is going to be some type of virtual event. Um, but nobody knows what it looks like yet. It's, it's, it's all just kind of big, what if we do this thing? And I would assume that much like the PlayStation event that happened just uh, like this past week, that it's going to be just a bunch of trailers. Um Maybe some show announcements, maybe some reunited Josh Gad-esque shows where they get some people together to talk about stuff. Would you guys be up for that? I, You know, I would love to check it out. Uh, I've done a few of these Zoom meetings um, where it's a big event type thing. Even, Greg, you know some of the stuff I do is the Tiki stuff, the big events mm-hmm. like Tiki Oasis. Mm-hmm. Uh, those people have been, you know, it's the same thing like with the Comic-Con and all that. They've been making the announcements, waiting to hear what new changes and guidelines are coming out on a daily basis. And most of those have now been canceled and pushed back to at least October, with most likely those canceling as well. So what they've been doing in the meantime, which I'm suspecting Comic-Con and some of these other cons, we have a local con here in Long Beach, I believe. Um, I think they, which is in later in fall or early fall, I think putting together something online, some sort of meetings with trailers and, and all that was is fine. I'm just curious how they're going to present it and what they're going to charge because nobody's going to want to pay $200, $300 for like a five-day pass at Comic-Con just to sit at your own home and watch trailers. I, can, I can't imagine that people would, you know, just to have access to trailers that end up on YouTube, you know, two hours later, that they would pay anything extra to see that stuff. Two, I mean, two, two hours later, it's going to be like that episode of The Simpsons where they restored alcohol and the mob shows up and says, give us five minutes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, maybe, you know, maybe you do something like a panel of some type, but, you know. Like I said, like like I mentioned, Josh Gad has had the Back to the Future guys. He's had the Lord of the Rings guys. He's had the is then the, all the Ghostbusters reunite on there just recently too. Yeah, all the Living Ghostbusters. Yeah. All the Living and Ghostbusters. Think, thank you. And I think he had the Goonies on there too, didn't he? He had the Goonies. Was the other one I was going to bring up? Yep. And those have all been free. So I mean, those are all big name events that that have been happening and didn't charge a dime for them. I don't see how Comic-Con could get away with, uh, or the folks at Comic-Con can get away with charging for something like that. I don't think people do it. The nice thing about Reunited Apart, um, which have been fantastic, by the way, I think you missed, did you get Return of the, the Lord of the Rings, Return of the King? I think they did one of those. I just said Lord of the Rings, but yeah, it covers. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing I like about that is, yes, it's free, but you have the option. And what I really appreciate is he picks every episode that he does as a donation for uh, some sort of charity or an event that is helping out during this crisis. Oh. And I think that's fantastic. So. Well, there you go. That's a worthy cause. Yeah. I mean, I know the people at Comic-Con need to keep going as well, but uh, I'm I'm glad that Josh Gadwell, he's got the time that he's doing that. So... but if they were do, but Greg, to your point, if they were doing some type of a panel discussion, I mean, that would be worth a, a nominal fee, even if it's only you know nine ninety nine or or fourteen ninety nine or something like that. Yeah. But if it's just you know trailers or, or pre taped media presentations, nobody's going to take time off of work, yeah. let alone pay anything out of pocket for that. Yeah. In my personal well, opinion. That's a good point, Dave. Um, but I think there are still quite a few people not 
at work right now. I know I know a few of us are going into the office, but there I know quite a few people that are still at home or safe. Uh, what is it? Stay at home, safe at home. Safe at home. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I just mean like uh, there's a fair yes, there are a fair number of people who are off working at home. There are a fair number of people who are still working from home. I know sure. I go into the office every day, but the traffic is super light, and I know that that is not because everybody is simply not working that's not driving. That's just yeah. impossible. So if I wanted to go to a Comic-Con during the day at this point, I would still have to take a day off of work, even if I'm not going into the office. Oh, well, I, I don't know that I'm, I'm going to do that for you know, you know, watching trailers or pre-recorded events. If it's some type of live interactive panel where I get to interact with and ask some questions of folks that I'm, I'm interested in hearing from, well, now, may, now maybe we're talking. Yeah. And, and to be fair, you go into the office uh, for the people that work at home, and I won't throw anyone under the bus. Um, I do know that Netflix account gets used quite a bit during the day. <laughs> Eight hours. So, uh, yeah, that could be an interesting thing to see if uh, how people would handle that. If you are working, would you sign up for a two or three hour panel? And then Zoom meetings, do, is there a limit on a full paid account? Do you, can you get up to a certain amount? Do you have a max? I'm not sure how that all works. I, I do think there's a max. And just out of simple internet bandwidth, I think you would have to have a max on it at some point. Okay. You know, uh, we have been using Zoom meetings quite a bit at the, at the office. Um, and I know that, the, that a couple of the, the – we haven't had more than – like 15 or 20 at any at any one time um and hasn't affected the bandwidth at all the only problem is you get a lot of crosstalk you know if the 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 worst thing about all of these virtual conferences is the crosstalk if it's more than two or three people on a call at any one time yeah we've spent i've made a comment about it before but you know the five of us doing this podcast for the past four years i didn't realize it was going to be in preparation of trying to host uh, work calls for this doing the same type of thing, <laughs> um, but it turns out it was the uh, the, the perfect uh, introduction to working out stupid issues and getting people to talk and 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 not talk at any one period at any one specific point in time. You know, Greg, it's funny you you mention that because even with us, just five guys on a show, we do have moments where we cross over each other and we're like, oh no no no, you go, you don't you go. But listening to 20 to, say, 40 people on a giant Zoom meeting, and I've been in a few where it's more than that, it's insane. Like, yeah. It is just crazy. To be yeah. fair, most yeah. of our interruptions of each other are actually Scott just saying, hey, let me just jump in on this real quick. I'm going to let you finish, <laughs> but Beyonce had the best music video Nico? ever. What's up? <laughs> what am I trying to say? Fuck you, Scott. That's what I'm uh, trying to say. Oh, there it is. Are you there saying <laughs> that Scott Ivansky is the Kanye West of the Wretched Hive? <laughs> no, but you did. Damn mic from you. And I'll agree with you. <laughs> it it might be it might be God. true. Kanye, Kanye, Kanye. <laughs> oh, so you know, there is one studio actually that's announced that they have uh, their own plans outside of. Uh, so, so they're not going to Comic Con, and that's Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers is, has a has a few movies on the slate for right now. Uh, most notably, Wonder Woman, which was originally scheduled to come out this summertime. I think it had a July start, then it got pushed back to September. Now pushed back again to October. So, if we see Wonder Woman this year, it's not going to be before October. 
but there is going to be some type of Warner Brothers online fan zone thing that they're doing, a virtual fan experience is I think what they're calling. Uh, and they're talking about, according to the article I'm looking at on the website io9, they're talking about feature panels, interviews, first looks, screenings, cosplay competitions, and other events for DC fans and viewers. Um, and I think they're going to be uh, uh, actually showing the first footage from the new uh, Suicide Squad movie with James Gunn from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy fame. I'm curious how that's going to turn out. That'll be fun. The movie or the or the uh, or the, the virtual event. con? The event. The virtual con, yeah. I don't. Is it, is, is it is the movie Suicide Squad: Thirteen Reasons Why as a subtitle? Is that what it is? <laughs> so uh, I, I have to bring this up now, and this is kind of like my story that I wanted to bring up because a few weeks ago I I I, I brought up the the DC universe, even though it's a Star Wars podcast. I brought up the DC universe because how dare Zach, you, sir? I how know. Dare you. This is again falls under other stuff, guys. We 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 are allowed, especially in these times of great need. Uh, I feel like I need to I need to bring this in. Uh, Zack Snyder came out and said that there was going to be a Snyder cut and it's going to premiere on HBO Max. So that was about a month ago, and over the past month, something really interesting has happened, and that is from director David Ayer. And I don't know if you know the name, but D- David Ayer directed the first Suicide Squad movie that had the the awful. Jared Leto Joker. Academy Award-winning Suicide Squad movie, first of all. Yes, that is factual, 100% factual. (laughs) David Ayer was the director of that steaming pile of garbage, and he has come out and he has said that due to the release of Deadpool, the movie that he was originally working on was chopped to pieces, guys. Chopped to pieces. And his character study of these damaged and broken figures coming together to form a heroic action was turned into just cheap camp dribble. What okay. do you guys think? Well, hold on a second. Isn't there an uncut version? Didn't I thought HBO or Amazon Prime had it on their their site for a long time. There are two versions of it out there. So what what's he bitching about? I don't understand. What is the problem here? His original vision of the movie was that it would be a lot more closer in tone to what the Dark Knight was. And I think that's kind of what they imagined for it until they really started to take a lot of heat for being so dark. You know, you had you had the, you know, I, I think I coined it back in the time and, and, and we talked about it before, was the Zack Snyder murderverse, is that everybody had to die in, in this setting. And once Deadpool came out, which was, you know, a, a good portion, of, a good amount of time before Suicide Squad came out, they felt they had to lighten it up, and so that's why you see a lot of the comedy bits going in there, uh, because they felt that, and and when they when they saw the success of the R-rated Deadpool, they thought they thought that's what fans wanted. So David Ayer is coming out and saying that it really changed the tone, and if you look at the very first trailer that was released, which had a, a, a kind of a normal score setting to it, and 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 it was just the briefest of introduction to these characters with the second trailer for Suicide Squad, which had Bohemian Rhapsody and a lot of Harley Quinn doing Harley Quinny stuff. Uh, you could tell that they really changed the tone. And a lot of that was not David Ayer's doing. So huh. is anybody, anybody interested in a David Ayer-approved version of the Suicide Squad? <laughs> so can I, can I ask you a question, though, Greg, before we answer yours? Yes. 
And in that interview where David Ayers was complaining about what was done to his movie, at the end of the interview, did he pull off his face like in a Mission Impossible movie and it was actually Josh Trank? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't this what they all say, guys? Josh Trank had the exact same comments about Fantastic Four. My, My vision! You guys are messing with my vision. Well, you know what? I would normally say I don't give a rat's ass, Greg, but after, okay, after our last show, I did, I actually did some research. Don't tell Steve, okay? <laughs> don't tell Steve. <laughs> Steve's um, going to be so pissed. Like, we do show notes, we, we structure <laughs> it, Scott's doing research, like, he, he he's going to stay in carbonite, guys. We're going to, we're going to unfreeze him and he's not going to, he's going to say, put me back, put me back. Let me out, let me out, let me out, let me in, let me in, let me in. <laughs> No, seriously. I so after that last show, I went and I I checked out. One thing I was curious about was seeing what I did not watch it, but I did watch a couple reviews on the Justice League director's cut. So there's a different version out there. There's like an extra thirty plus minutes that you. Oh, I was can... gonna say, which director is it though? Right. Well, <laughs> wait, was it? Wait, is it Justice League? I'm sorry, it's. God, I am so over the DC universe. I can't even remember which movie it was. Not, it's not, not a universe. Don't call it a universe, Scott. Right. Don't call it a comeback. Not. I'm sorry. Not. Uh, not Justice League. Um, the really bad Batman versus Superman, whatever it was. So there's so there's Man of Steel. There's Batman versus Superman, and then there was Justice League. So you're right. talking you're talking BVS. Right. Yeah. BVS uh, does have an extra thirty minutes added in, and there's a, dire- a director's version of that. What's fascinating? <laughs> it's it's 29 minutes of Ben Affleck just going Martha. It's <laughs> Martha. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, no, seriously. At, in all the reviews that I checked out, people actually gave it a much better review than the film that was released into theaters, and that just shocked me. Like after, I don't know, the Zack Snyder cut. Zack Snyder cut actually feels like it's something I'm curious about. But after hearing us talk about that and then seeing the reviews of BVS uh, director's cut, I'm now kind of curious. This guy could be a total Josh Trank, but seriously, I'm, if this is how they're going to get better content out to us, so be it. But what is going on over there to cause all of this mayhem? This is, it's like Harley Quinn is running Warner brothers. There, there are two competing versions of the DC universe, and they're both running concurrently with the same movies. It is, it is very strange. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. You put Christopher Nolan in in charge of that, and maybe it would have, it would have had a little bit more co- coherency to it, I suppose. And I know that he consulted at least on Man of Steel. I don't know how much consulting he did on the on the rest of the of those DC movies, but he, you know, he did set a very dark and grim tone with his with his batman movies but they can't all be batman guys they just they just can't and but they don't all have to be deadpool or guardians of the galaxy either i mean i think there's a fine line and i think there's a a market for both no batman is batman is absolutely a a kind of dark depressing gritty world i mean the origin is just freaking depressing it's a a kid who's warped by childhood trauma and this is what he becomes to try to carry that through to Superman who that is arguably a, a mission of, of light and hope and benevolence or Wonder Woman where I think they actually pretty much got that one tonally correct 
whether you liked or disliked the movie, I think they totally hit Wonder Woman square square on perfectly. And Suicide Squad, I could honestly give a rodent's patoot about. Yeah. What I love about the Marvel Universe is that they do have stylistically different movies, but there is a a, a tonal consistency. Nothing, it, Not everything is Guardians of the Galaxy, but by the same token, all movies are very comfortable being light and funny when the moment calls for it. And, and you know, that's where I think Marvel got it right, is because you have all these movies that are all interconnected, but they're all they're all kind of different genres. You know, you have you have the 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 Playboy, you know, kind of actiony guy in in Iron Man. Uh, Captain America was always kind of the thriller type. Um, you had a, a heist movie in Ant Man. You had a, a mystical fantasy in Thor. You know, you could fit all these genres under superhero, and they all kind of scratched a different itch. And then when they all came together, it was it it worked. You know, it's I I don't think DC gets that that each of these characters can be their own thing, and then you can bring them together and be something else. I agree with you. I think they got Wonder Woman. You know, perfect. I think Wonder Woman's probably the best, except for the third act of Wonder Woman. That's what seems to be where all these movies fall apart. And I'm not even counting Batman because. They've they've made it clear that that the Christopher Nolan Batman is not part of this universe at all. I mean, I think they you know they 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 could have tied it in better with Ben Affleck being an older Batman, you know, an older Christian Bale version. But I think that that I think that they've abandoned that altogether. Yeah, and and I'm glad they did. I'm glad that those Chris, the Christopher Nolan trilogy can stand as its as its own work, and they're not yeah. kind of looping it into this kind of crappy half-assed cinematic exactly. universe it deserves to be its own thing because they were really fucking good yeah. yeah but dave that's a great point and i and i'm not arguing that at all i think in fact i'm only going to add to what you said imagine if they took the tonally great trilogy of christopher nolan and and i know we can argue about the last one it didn't follow through a hundred percent but imagine it, it's they, still better it's still better than uh the Rise of Skywalker. It's still better than the entire DC cinematic universe, except for Wonder Woman. And I want to say, except it's not Wonder Woman's better than that. But I'm just saying, Wonder Woman's the only film, and I hate comparing it to the Marvel universe or cinematic universe, but it's the only one that comes close to representing what they did at Marvel, where you could have a standalone film that told a really good story that hit the tonal um, and vibes and feels of the original comic book. And still got away with just being a fun, entertaining summer film. It's the only one out of all of the films that, that they've attempted. And it just, it breaks my heart. And I'm also kind of pissed at the same time. I'm like, why can't somebody get it right? I, I, and it's just frustrating. It, it, no, I, and, I, and I see that. Uh, I, I kind of feel the same way. Because I didn't think Aquaman was a bad movie. But Aquaman's weird. Because they obviously want it to take place after Justice League. They obviously want it to be a part of this universe but they don't you know it's like he's never met any of these other people that are out there and he has no idea like any of the other members of the justice league actually exist when obviously this has all happened like after the fact you know we we agree and we definitely disagree on certain things but i'm going to tell you this as much as i love agreeing with you on many things holy shit aquaman was shit (laughs) good i did not I watched that movie listening to all of us talk about it saying, man, well, maybe I'll give it a shot. I watched that. I'm like, 
everything's bad about this movie. And everyone was like, the CG was great about this movie. I mean, the CG sucked in that nah, movie. I don't think the CG was all that great. And, but in a world where, in a world where Suicide Squad, Justice yeah. League, Batman <laughs> versus Superman exist, Aquaman is not that bad. <laughs> yeah, in that sense, I, I agree with you. <laughs> but, but watching it without even thinking about that, I was just going, good God, the story in this, what? What is happening? <laughs> Yeah, it, I haven't, it, I haven't it, seen it Aquaman, kind of and, I will, and I will not see Aquaman. Really? And if and if the director comes out and says they they hacked my movie up and there's really a secret director's cut that you can see, I still won't <laughs> fucking see that. It was directed by the guy who made like Fast and Furious movies, I believe. So, uh, so they have no, that going there, for if it. That's not a ringing endorsement. I don't know what is. I think that guy also made Star Trek Beyond. Oh man. Oh, oh you, know, you might be right. The, the third Star Trek movie. Yes. Which, which is better than Into Darkness. It incorporated the Beastie Boys into the soundtrack, though. It's, yeah. it's just questionable. Yeah. A lot of questionable decisions. Yeah. yeah. A lot but of questionable decisions there. I'm going re- to rail this all back. I'm going to bring it all back to what you were talking about, Greg. If they seriously, or something you mentioned, if they actually re-release all of these movies with some second or even hidden third cut of the film that is the unquestionable undoubtable you know undoubtable uh version of the directors maybe that's the the saving grace for the dc cinematic universe i i maybe that's it i don't know maybe but, they just need to go full dark maybe just you know just em- embrace just stepping right into the gutter and just make every movie an ultraviolet you know uh clockwork orange <laughs> <laughs> but you know what i said this to dave you know if we had the nolan trilogy and that was the stepping stone into the new DC Cinematic Universe. And they kept that darkness. And Superman wasn't the piece of crap that it was where Superman had to be brooding and moody. He could have been that shimmering light like Captain America is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He could have been that moment where here's the, the all of its dark. We're seeing all the death and all the craziness and the, and the psychotic villains. But Superman is the, the beam of light. Wonder Woman comes in and has her moment and brings some of that light to it, but shows more of the history of it. That could have been powerful, but they just, everything had to be brooding and moody. And Superman as a, you know, I don't know. You know what Superman, Man of Steel reminded me of was the third Spider-Man when he's doing his emo Saturday night fever walk or whatever. I'm just like, what is what is happening on screen right now? There is Sam. The Sam Raimi cut of Spider-Man 3 is coming soon to a theater near you. <laughs> I'm going to a movie theater to see that. Oh, God. So Sam Raimi, did we talk about Sam Raimi as actually returning to the Marvel Universe, guys? Did that actually I, come up at all? Is that actually confirmed, or is that as confirmed as Rosario Dawson is going to be Ahsoka Tano in uh, Mandalorian Season 2? Well, well, sir, that's confirmed. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that it's a done deal that Sam Raimi is coming back to the uh, the Marvel fold, and not on a Spider-Man movie this time. I think he's taking over um, the Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. He's taking that over from uh, Scott Derrickson, who was let go for creative differences a couple a few months back. So we'll see we'll see what Sam Raimi can do one more time, and hopefully he's not having a old Benedict Cumberbatch pull his hair down in front of his eyes and, and <laughs> covering up in a very 90s emo fashion, so, even though so it was like 2005. Here's a speculative question for the lawyers out there. If this is the multiverse of madness, is there some way 
that uh, Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man could make a small cameo appearance in there without uh, running afoul of Sony licensing contract issues. You know, I mean, he can I'm, just show up, right? It doesn't as long as they don't use his name, he can show up, right? I, I I'm sure that they could work something out to to make that happen because, well, you know, I, I was going to bring up the the Into the Spider Verse uh, cartoon that came out last year, but that is also a Sony product, so you know, I don't know, I don't know the answer to that. I would hope so because it would it would be great to see them jumping through different alternate realities of of all of the characters. You know, you could jump them into the Josh Trank Fantastic Four. You could jump them into the, uh, the 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 Deadpool movies. You could jump them into the, some of the old you know X Men's with Patrick Stewart and 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 Hugh Jackman's and whatnot. I I, I think it it would be a great way to integrate a lot of those a lot of those properties together. Do you think well, we're gonna see Deadpool then traveling around back in time, killing yeah. Hitler, killing baby Hitler? Yeah. That would be great. That so, would be awesome. So well, they Dead- they they got around that in the original comic book Spider Verse series. Uh, Dan Slott talked about how he worked in every Spider-Man incarnation ever, except for some where there were rights issues, and ones he specifically talked about where he couldn't use a Tobey Maguire lookalike, even in the comic book. So he just had one of the various Spider-Men reference, like, hey, did you see the guy over there from the Seabiscuit movie? (laughs) There you go. I I may be just speculating and, and pulling a fanboy here but you know with what they've done with spider-man the spider-man um franchise itself uh the property i think they could pull that off and how how does that not benefit sony i mean you throw in that i mean you're 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 calling back to three well-loved films that people might want to go back and revisit and you throw toby mcguire in there and some weird multiverse spider-verse thing that would be fantastic. Even if it's a small reference, that's enough to get people sparked about something that was what God, how long ago was that? Twenty years ago? Coming up on twenty years. Yeah, it was it was two it was was it the end of two because it was right around, you know, nine eleven when that happened because they had to May, edit up. But was it two thousand two that it came out? May May so. two thousand two. It was the first blockbuster post nine eleven. And that that is something that has still never formally seen the light of day. Is that original trailer for spider-man that used the world trade center towers uh not formally but it is available on the youtube if you can find it on the youtube yeah you you can find it you don't have to look that hard but it's it's never received a sanctioned release anywhere yeah it's on the youtube the youtube on the youtubes hey greg brought it up about um this into the spider-verse but uh they did make an announcement about part two coming out right in a year or two oh did they i haven't heard that yeah, I think that was just announced in the last day or two. I'm, you know, it's it, we got to get back to work sooner or later, guys. And we and, and well, with movie theaters opening up here coming in July, uh, you know, they got to make movies to put in these theaters. So, so they did. In keeping with that theme, though, Greg, they did announce what the title of the uh, Spider-Man Three is going to be. The Tom Holland Spider-Man Three. They're keeping with the pattern, right? So the first one was Homecoming. Yeah. Second one was Far From Home, and in keeping with the current environment, it'll be Spider-Man Work From Home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, hang on a but, second. I thought it was going to be Home Alone. Is, but is he but to be... your point, I've been thinking about this, and I'm wondering if there isn't going to be, at some point in the movie theater production and release chain, there's going to be a gap coming up, simply because yeah. these, these studios, 
even though they can't release product, they still need revenue. So some of their movies have been dumped onto dumped onto streaming services or video on demand. Mm-hmm. And now that they have to open back up, I'm wondering if there will not be a little a little gap area at some point in the future where they don't have product to put out because they haven't been producing product this whole time. Yeah. And and how do you get people to come back? How that that's the big question. You know, you have to first of all, you have to reduce capacity. I think that Regal, who's opening up sometime in in on the earlier part of the middle of July, I think it's around the eighth or the tenth or something like that. They have set their capacities, I think, at at fifty percent, and you have to leave at least two seats between groups. Um. So how do you entice people to come back? I mean, they've started to open up restaurants here in Orange County, and and infections have started to spike in, in, in because of that, um, well, or in spite of that, you, however you want to look at it. Did you well, see a restaurant? I'm not going to name names so we don't get in trouble, but did you see a restaurant, uh, perhaps in an area of Orange County, that uh, has a CC as the initials of its names, <laughs> uh, that, that closed down for 14 days for a deep cleaning? I did. That's and I, all I, the restaurants I, saying publicly. I, I have a story to share about that later on too. That I will. It has it has nothing to do with where I work or anything like that. And I don't work for the rest for any restaurant. But uh, but I know what Dave's talking about, and I have a story to share about that. Well, uh, but that'll be for later. I won't name call any restaurants, but I will say this: Orange County. So you guys, a few of you guys are in Orange County. I'm in LA County. Steve's in LA County. And here's where we're going to bring it back to the theater thing. But even the restaurant thing, is. Every county is different, and, and certainly cities, but the counties in general, you, you guys are opening up, and we are going through our phase of opening up, but we're still requiring masks. So people that are still saying, you know, no masks, that rate of infection is going to go up quite a bit. And I don't want to get into the technical side of it. I know there's a lot of argument and debate over it, which there shouldn't be, but that's a big problem. It's not just showing up and being six feet apart. You're not protecting other people as, as they are not protecting you. So going to a restaurant is an interesting thing because you have to take your mask off. Going to a movie theater, you can essentially sit in that theater with a mask on six feet, 10 feet apart, however many chairs, and feel a little more safe. There is a percentage rate. There are charts out there to follow by, but a lot of people don't want to do that. So when you say this about theaters opening up, how is that going to be handled in different counties. Whereas in Orange County, you could go to a theater and not wear a mask. You're sitting in, you know, recycled air the whole time for two hours, an hour and a half, two and a half hours, whatever. And I don't know, that's kind of freaky. So, and, and you're not alone in thinking that, Scott, which is, again, what leads me back to how do you get people to come back? How do you get people to overcome that fear? And I, I just don't think you get everybody back. There's, you know, and, and, and this is where Orange County, you know, is is making a mistake. And I'm and, and, and I am a firm believer that you should be wearing a mask. It's 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 for your protection. Um, it's and primarily for everybody else's protection, because, you you know, as as we're all talking, we're all spewing you know garbage out of our mouths 24 seven. And if you hit wearing a mask, it just pip 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 pip, and it and it it's effect it's it's effective. It reduces the infection by something like eighty percent. It's not perfect. It's not perfect, and nobody's saying that it is. But right. it is it is a protective measure, and we do all kinds of protective measures in life. We all wear seatbelts in the car because we're not going to stop having car accidents. We're not going to stop death from car accidents. But we're going to prevent some things that we can prevent, and yeah, that's it, that's it's wearing a seatbelt. I mean, nobody argues about wearing a seatbelt. Well, I'll, right. I'll, 
I'll come at it a slightly different way. It, it's it, the the seatbelt does protect you. I, I like the analogy, but the seatbelt protects you. You're putting the seatbelt on you. It doesn't do anything for me. It wearing a mask is not. It doesn't help me out. I don't think the mask really protects me from anybody around me. But what the mask does is it protects you from me mm-hmm. if yes. I'm infected. So the the analogy I like is actually that wearing a mask is like drunk driving. 40 years ago, drunk driving was a socially accepted thing because people said it's my choice if I drive while I'm drunk. It doesn't impact anybody else, which is a horrible, laughable argument because it, it affects the person that you kill when you hit them because you're driving drunk and impaired. Mm-hmm. And the mask is – the same analogy to me the mask protects you everybody around around me yeah. from me in case i am asymptomatic and i don't know any better yet and how would i because i'm asymptomatic right right and that's and that bringing that back into theaters again you're not in a situation where you really need to take the mask off so here you feel a little bit more of that protection um, you're protecting other people around you and they're doing the same as well so the only thing is if you're, you know, buying food or popcorn, you're going to have to take it off. But it's real easy to just kind of pull that off to the side, take a sip of your soda, put in some popcorn, whatever, and you're done. And it's just, you know, it, maybe, maybe not only will it help protect us, but it'll uh, drop some of the obesity problems of people eating five-gallon buckets of popcorn. So who knows? Exactly. Exactly. You know, so... If you were to be enticed, and I'm going to bring this around to a story that Dave kind of hinted at in the pre-show there. <laughs> if you were able to see something like, oh, I don't know, The Empire Strikes Back in 4K for the 40th anniversary, <laughs> would that get you, Scott Avansky, into the theater? Wow. Uh, <laughs> I'm still I'm still uh, erring on the side of caution. Uh, as much as, you know, I've seen... Here's a, I'm oh, gonna... wait a minute. Hang on. Before we get into that, I, we got to do this. It's a little game we like to call <laughs> Star Wars Choices. Think of a hard choice you'll face in the near future. Okay, would you rather be intimate with a Wookiee? Choose wisely. Or be intimate with Ula, but Jabba gets to watch? I just assume he's a Wookiee. Why do I have to choose? Choices. That's right, guys. It's been a long time since we've heard the dulcet tones of Star Wars Choices, but here we are. Star Wars Choices. Do you go to the theater, in this place in England, because that's the only place where they're doing it, do you go to England to see The Empire Strikes Back in 4K, but you get COVID, or do you stay at home and watch Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back on Disney Plus? Well, okay, so I'd run the risk of getting COVID. So right there is the thing for me. I would just say no. Um, but again, after having that discussion, you know, you're doing a lot of... Th- oh, you, you, people could go and wear a mask and bring a big old thing of hand sanitizer and just scrub up through the... Actually, you'll be so drunk off of hand sanitizer by the end of that. <laughs> it is mostly alcohol, after all. Right, right. So, um, yeah, I'm still going to go with no. Nico, what say you? Um, are they showing Empire in 4K on Disney Plus? Uh, I believe they are, yes. But they not, are? not, uh, yeah, I think it's in 4K. I think they have an ultra 4K version on Disney Plus. Can anybody confirm that off the top so. of their head? Yeah. They do have 4K offerings. I don't know. I do not know for sure if Empire Strikes Back is one, but for the sake of argument, let's just say yes. 
Yes, they do. Then no, I ain't going fucking nowhere. <laughs> on a on a pristine 200 inch screen in the theater, in a recliner, big old bu- bucket of popcorn out at your side, you're still a no. Still a no. Dave, how about you, sir? Uh, I'm actually trying to look on Disney Plus right now and Same see here. if this is 4K or not. <laughs> I don't see it. I don't see 4K. Damn it. <laughs> I know. I don't. It doesn't display like on uh, Netflix if right. it, uh, but it's with the broadcast qualities. But I yeah. would honestly say no at this point, not because of the 4K or, or anything like that, but it, it's a special edition. If it was a despecialized version, oh. that would be a lot. That would be a lot tougher to to say no to or run the risk on. That is the deal breaker. So yeah, we're all holding out. We're saving our little COVID bonus cards. <laughs> That's right for the despecialized 4K editions in the theater. That's what we're all waiting on. All, all right. right, that's acceptable. I will accept those terms, guys. This <laughs> has been Star Wars Choices. Oh, well, I don't want to play the whole thing Wait, again. That's, I, I, got, I, got a, I got a Star Wars choice for you. Oh, oh okay. What What was a worse movie? Uh, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice? Or Josh Trank's Fantastic Four? Ooh. Uh, I would have to go with the worst of the two movies being Josh Trank's Fantastic Four. Have you seen that movie? Have you actually I, sat through and watched that movie? I, I unfortunately have, yes. And you went to go see that, and yet you won't go see Aquaman. Look, (laughs) you only have to slap me in the face a half a dozen times before I I learn my lesson. (laughs) Scott, what about you? Yeah, Fantastic Four. Damn. (laughs) It's bad. Nico? I haven't seen it. Either one of them? Nope. That's that might be the smartest. The last the last Fantastic Four that I watched. The last Fantastic Four that I watched had uh, Chris Evans as the Human Torch, and he sure. was in. Yeah, he was in uh, the both of those ones. He was in the first one was Fantastic Four, and the second one was Rise of the Silver Surfer, which actually is not a bad movie. I didn't see that one. Yeah, I never understood why Rise of Surfer Silver Surfer gets as trashed as it does. It's not a great movie, but it's far from a bad movie. The wor- the worst thing about it is is that they made Galactus a cloud. Um, yeah. Uh, and that's and that's really kind of stupid, considering you had the opportunity to have this great Kirby-esque, giant purple costumed, just craziness happening there. But no, they went the cloud route instead, and 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 I don't I don't think we'll ever understand that. It was a bad call. Yeah. All right, so that was a double dose of Star Wars choices. Uh, I think the only other thing news-wise before we get onto a couple other things there. Did you guys know that along with all of these movie things, there are some? There's a little bit of TV news that Obi Wan Kenobi himself, Ewan McGregor, has come out and talked about the uh, potential of filming starting on the Obi Wan series. Have we heard anything about that since they halted production a couple months ago? No, I have not. Uh... Yeah, we kind we kind of left off there. Um, there were problems with the scripts, and so they had pulled everything back, and then COVID happened, the world fell apart, and it's kind of laid in limbo since then. Um, Owen McGregor did a uh, an interview with, and I'm seeing if I can find, with the Ace Universe. I don't know what that is. It says, I'm thinking going to enjoy it all much more. I think our technology is such now. I think we'd shot the first one on film, and we shot the second one when we got to Australia on the then-new HD cameras, which were pretty 
pretty primitive compared to what they are now. So it's quite complicated technically, I remember. It's all blue screen and green screen, and it's hard to imagine. But nowadays, I think we've moved on to so much. I think we have a, I think a lot of what we see is going to be what we see on the set. And that is kind of what they're doing with The Mandalorian. Have you guys watched that Disney gallery show at all on The Mandalorian? Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, yeah. It's really, really good. If you get a chance, you should you should watch it, especially if you're a fan of the show. But one the one thing that impressed me most was when they talk about the volume, and it's basically a virtual set that they all stand on. You know, it's got the ground, but they're basically 360 degrees surrounded, or pretty close to 360 degrees surrounded by by virtual or by by LED screens, and they're able to project on them, much like you see in a video game, what the background is. So as you're moving the camera around it it kind of reflects where the scene is going and it's really just fascinating technology and if you like i say you've got to kind of see it to understand what's going on there and it's just what what blows me away is most of the stuff that you see in mandalorian is on these virtual sets and they look 100% real yeah greg it, what's fast so i've watched i think two of the episodes how many are out now are they all out uh i think that at least 6 or 7 of the 8 episodes are out there i think yeah, so one of the things I found interesting about that is what you were just talking about. So I love that because if you go back in in time about 30, 35 years, and this is a process that was used for many years prior, um, but one of the best examples that I've seen in the old way of doing this, uh, kind of a panoramic vision of stuff, is the original Die Hard. So if you watch Die Hard, all the scenes were shot in the 20th Century Fox building on Avenue of the Stars in Century City here in L.A. Mm -hmm. uh, we drive by the building all the time and always point out it's the Die Hard building and try and get that famous shot at the Arco station looking at it. But any shot that was shot inside that building, they painted, uh, they had their artists come in and do a full 360 degree, maybe it wasn't quite 360 degree, but a shot of L.A. skyline in the background, and they were able to project lights onto that outside the windows of that building from a set point of view. And that's basically what they're doing now, but with digital and LED screens and all that stuff. And I just found that really fascinating. Watch some behind the scenes documentaries on Die Hard, and you'll see how the technology has advanced to what we're, they're using on The Mandalorian right now. It's, it's just mind blowing. That's 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 amazing. Yeah, it's it's if you get a chance to check out the the show, it's it's it really just kind of it blows your mind what they're able to do with this stuff. Um, yeah. And it's only a couple episodes that they they focus on the technology, and the rest of it's good to watch too. But yeah, there's a couple of things that really just stood out for me. I thought that was I thought that was really cool. So when we see the Obi Wan series coming out, and they're supposed to start filming next year now, 2021, so they're still about six months away from even starting production on it. So I guess that means we don't see the show until. 2022 uh maybe maybe late 2021 maybe possibly yeah um uh I'm, I'm hoping that it turns out to be just as good as mandalorian well if the, if they've made the announcement that they're not going to start filming now again or picking up filming until 2021 um i was going to say uh, i have a few friends that are in that industry and they are already in talks about reopening uh television shows in late july early august and they're still in talks for that based off of the the guidelines and stuff here in the state of California. But uh, I'm curious to see how Disney's going to comply with those. If they're going to, if they stick with their, their dates that they've already set, so be it. But if not, maybe they would push it up if they, if they feel safe enough with a limited cast and crew. So it's all wait and see from here. We just yeah. got to find out. So 
a couple more things just to kind of round things out. Scott, you wanted to talk about something. You've been digging. You've had some time on your hands. You wanted to talk about something. What you got going on there? Yeah, uh, so uh, we joke about it on the show all the time, and I, uh, you know, that my garage is basically the Southern California cheap version of Rancho Obi Wan, and yeah, I, I've been going through it. Through Bite this. your tongue, cheap version. It is a gold mine of Star Wars memorabilia. <laughs> well, it's not, I'll, you know what? Thank you. That's very kind of you, sir. Um, let's just say it's just not as well organized as Rancho Obi Wan. <laughs> that is a true statement. I will co-sign that statement. <laughs> That is so true. It hurts. Um, no, but in the process, I've been going through some incredible stuff, finding stuff I haven't seen in years, uh, much like uh, finding the uh, the Ark of the of the Covenant in Raiders. But I did come across this amazing book. Uh, came out in 2005, so we're going back to the end of the prequel era, and uh, it is called "Creating the Worlds of Star Wars: 365 Days." These little, like, kind of widescreen books. I shouldn't say little because it's actually quite large. Yeah, uh, that's, that book qualifies as literature, Scott, because if you threw it at somebody, it would hurt them. It's Yeah, it's, seriously, it's like seven. It's, it's called a coffee table book because it basically is a coffee table. It really is. Go. It is heavy as hell, and it is big. and uh, But it's it's small in size. It's just It's probably like 700 pages. But it documents all six of the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy films in such a way that is just it's like the counterpart to all the documentaries that we've loved and watched over the years, um, especially um, what is the Empire? The, the one on the Star Wars DVD box set, Blu-ray box set. Um, oh, Empire of Dreams. Empire of Dreams. It, it's definitely the counterpart to that. Um, and just amazing, beautiful behind-the-scenes shots that have never seen the light of day prior to this publication. And the best part is it was put together by uh, John Knoll himself, uh, who was very much involved in... God, I don't even know how long he's been with Lucasfilm now. Do you guys know? Has he been... It was. I was going to say, easily since since the... Uh, the um... The prequel trilogy. So I mean, you're talking the uh, the late '90s, right? Right. But he has he has such a history with them, and I think John Knoll is also we've talked about on the show is the guy who created or one of the creators of Photoshop, Adobe Photoshop, which is still the weirdest answer to any trivia question you could ever you yes. could ever find there. <laughs> and and it's just the way it's written, all the behind the scenes shots. What I might do is put a couple screenshots up on our Facebook page and uh, some of our other social media sites. Um, but if you get a chance, get out there, check it out. They do a great job. Each page has probably about 100, 150 pages. I'm sorry, each movie is dedicated to about 100 to 150 pages. So much behind-the-scenes stuff. Beautifully written. Tons of detail. Lots of information for you. It's, if you're a fan like we, I know you are because you're listening to the show, go pick this book up. Find it. It's out there on eBay. I'm sure Amazon has a reprint. Um, the new version, I will say, does not come with a CD-ROM. There is a CD-ROM thing in here that has more stuff than was actually put in the book, if you even have a CD-ROM anymore. But I was going to say, who's got a CD-ROM drive on their computers that they can actually put things into? I, <laughs> I have a, a coffee cup holder on my old desktop. <laughs> Set your coffee cup on there. Yeah, It's nice, isn't it? It's convenient. It is but nice. definitely, definitely check it out. Um, give it a give it a read, and uh, y- you'll get a kick out of it. I I promise. So John Knoll, 
has on his resume co-creator Rogue One, co-creator Adobe Photoshop. Yeah. Yeah, he wrote the original treatment for Rogue One. That's craziness. And and if you watch the behind the scenes documentary on Rogue One, there is a great story where he talks about how it happened and it was just amazing. The way he wrote it, the way he presented it, and then the shock when they're like, "Yeah, no, we're going to make this." <laughs> I'm like, "Yes." You know, I like all those old books. So I think we spoke on it a little bit last time. J.W. Rensler, uh, yes. before he was unceremoniously fired from from Lucasfilm after the Disney merger, wrote a series of great books that we're all making making ofs. Um, I know he did one for Star Wars. I know he did one for Empire, and I and I believe he did one for Return of the Jedi too. I think he was actually working on a trilogy of books on the Indiana Jones series of films. Uh, before he had a little bit of a falling out um, over a blog he was writing, um, and Disney canned him and let him go and 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 shit canned his blog, which was a fascinating behind the scenes look. Um, Might have had something to do with the fact that he called it the rise and fall of Lucasfilm, but uh, hmm. but it yeah. uh, it cost him his job nonetheless. And now and now I think he's going on and I think he's doing a similar kind of series with James Bond, the James Bond series of films as well. So. J.W. Rensselaer, look that guy up uh, if you have any interest in finding some cool, cool making of Star Wars stuff also. Yeah, his stuff is amazing. Definitely have a few of his books. Dave, you wanted to relive some of the past, too. What do you got for us there, buddy boy? I did, and we've uh, we've had a really robust show. I don't want to have us going over on time here, but I, I found a news article that was not Star Wars related. This is going to fall under the other stuff heading, but it was I about— I like uh, other stuff. It was about one of my other true loves in the pop culture world, which is Star Trek. And the uh, the transition movie, if you will, from the original series cast to the next generation cast, the uh, middling film called Star Trek Generations. I did not know this until I found this article, but Leonard Nimoy was actually – they were – was the person they were really trying hard to get to direct that. I knew that they had when they, if you've seen the movie, it starts off with a little handoff from some of the original series cast members, and then it segues into the next generation cast. They had originally written that sequence to feature the entire original series cast. I remember reading that draft of the script back when I was at USC, and there was a copy floating around for all of us students to uh, peruse and enjoy. Uh, Nimoy didn't like how his character was represented. His feeling was, you know, there's like a dozen lines there and really you can assign them to any character. And as he notes, uh, they did after the fact, but he, (laughs) he didn't want to direct the movie because he thought the script was just bad and horrible. So he bounced and they went elsewhere. And I, I shared, I, I just thought it was interesting and I kind of posted it to our little, our little thread where we post things we might want to talk about. And Greg responded with a very snarky comment with that said, uh, Leonard Nimoy quote, uh, it's a shitty movie, close quote. <laughs> and then about nine hours later, I get a follow-up message from Greg. That's like, wow, I actually didn't realize my made up quote was pretty much what was in the, uh, the article itself. that was there. <laughs> well, it, I don't know why it just, that just tickled my funny bone. So goddamn much. That's what I wanted to come on and talk about tonight. You know, uh, that is one of the the odd numbered movies, correct? That is an odd numbered movie. Yes, that would have been Star Trek Seven. If it and the that. and and the joke has always been has always been that the Star Trek movies any any Star Trek movie that carries an odd number is typically not a good movie, but the even number movies 
are are the ones you want to go to. Those that's Typically. the the Wrath of Khan, the Search that's, for Spock, the end is uh, not the Search for Spock. Voyage home. Voyage home. Thank Voyage you. Home. Undiscovered um, country. Undiscovered country. First contact. And then and then first contact. Yes. Um. And those are seem to be the better movies. And then it 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 kind of flip flops once. And and I don't know how these fit into the number of movies because then there's a, a lot of other movies. There's Nemesis and and a bunch of other ones I can't remember the names of off the top of my head right now. So so Nemesis would have been the tenth Star Trek movie. And the J.J. Abrams reboot was the 11th Star yeah. Trek movie. So, so it does kind of flip, because I actually am a huge fan of the very first J.J. Um, oh. Abrams Star Trek movie. Not Stop. as much of, 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 of Into Darkness, but I think that the other one, Star Trek Beyond, was actually a, a, a good third entry. I actually enjoyed that. Yeah. I, I, I didn't care for it. Here's where we diverge and disagree a little, Greg. I, I didn't care for Star Trek Beyond that much. And while Into Darkness is not a great movie it is far from a bad movie well and i was i was always tickled i i've always been tickled by that one because there was an unpublished novel from the 80s uh written by diane carey uh called the federation war that w- that largely the plot of that book is what the plot of into darkness is like i am utterly shocked that they did not have to give some type of a credit to her because i'm pretty sure i'm not the only person who's read the star log interview she gave where she talked about the plot of that book you know um it's interesting that they didn't just go that route full full on instead of trying to recreate Wrath of Khan, which is completely unnecessary. I, I I think that was my biggest complaint with the movie is is when they went to such lengths in uh, the the first J.J. from Star Trek as saying this is all brand new, these are all you know fresh yeah. ideas and stories that they immediately rehashed the the best Star Trek movie out of all of them and try and recreate it. And they've even said, you know, they they had an idea of they wanted to do a post-credit scene or or something at the end of the first Star Trek movie that just showed the Botany Bay out in space drifting. And they decided against it because they didn't want to lock themselves in for a sequel. Yeah, this is just a just a a, 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 just a mistake. I mean, it's yeah, just a huge mistake. They they could have the sky was the limit with that franchise. And unfortunately, you you pinned it in and now you had to yeah, you just, you know. It it ruined it for the rest. It, it ruined it for the rest of the way, and I really think that that harms um, Star Trek Beyond after that because you know it it really lowered expectations for where that franchise was, was going to go, and that's really it, a shame. And I, I I don't know that they're ever going to continue the franchise simply because the uh, the actor who played Chekhov, Antoine, uh, somebody or another. I, I I feel horrible. I'm blanking on his last name right now. It's yeah. late. I apologize. I'm not really this big of an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but they, no, but the guy the guy was killed in a tragic accident shortly after they finished all the production work on Star Trek yeah. Beyond. Right? Yeah, he did. And I, I, I have Anton read, Yelchin. Anton Yelchin. Yelchin. Thank you, yeah. thank you, Greg. But I have read uh, interviews with uh, Simon Pegg where he has indicated that losing Anton has p- puts a little bit of a damper on the cast in terms of their desire or drive to want to get back together. And he he made a a really interesting observation, which was that uh, with the advent of streaming and the ability to do kind of these extended long form stories, he's Simon said, you know, that seems to be where Star Trek is working the best right now. And maybe that's just where it's going to stay is this stuff like uh, Star Trek Discovery, which is a fantastic, fun show, uh, Star Trek Picard, which was wonderful. And uh, the third spinoff that's coming later next year, Star Trek Strange New World. 
And there's isn't there a, there's another one that's coming out there too, isn't there? Talk of another uh, and even another Star Star Trek show. Um, there's there's a short treks thing that's these little like five or ten minute, you know, very short stories that they're Star Trek. I'm not terribly enamored of them, but yeah. All right. I would I would highly recommend Discovery. I would highly recommend Picard and. Uh, since Strange New World spins out of the second season of Discovery following uh, Captain Christopher Pike and the mm-hmm. crew of the Enterprise prior to James Kirk being assigned command, uh, that group of actors was amazing on that season of Discovery. You know, having grown up on comic books and um, having everything, you know, serialized and episodic in in the comic book format, I appreciate that you see a lot more of these stories. You, you get to see them a lot more often. I think I, I think I appreciate these stories. And I think they're putting out better quality content too, as far as making these TV shows um, like the Mandalorian and, and, and like Picard. I really enjoyed Picard. I didn't watch discovery yet, but I really did enjoy uh, Picard. I thought it was a lot of fun um, being able to come back and visit these characters, you know, a little bit more often, um, you know, versus and meaning you get to see them, you know, for like two months out of the year, and then they go away for a year instead of seeing them every two years when they come back to the screen. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm happy if they just make Star Trek continue as on as TV shows, and and they can all branch and cross and do what they need to do. Uh, but instead of just making a shitty movie every three years, I would rather they do it this way. Uh, Greg, I would encourage you to check out Discovery. I think you will enjoy it. They do a really good job of interweaving these new characters into the past and then explaining how that works like you you watch and you think why have i not heard of these stories before how do they get away with with making this work and it's not just bad retroactive continuity and they explain it all by the end of uh season two and scott and nico if you guys haven't watched picard yet watch it for nothing else than to see the anaheim convention center over and over again (laughs) I i don't generally watch tv i don't know I don't have, uh, what's that, CBS that it's on? Yeah, CBS. Yeah. yeah, and I don't have a streaming service that is attached to it. I know I could watch it through Hulu Live, where you can watch it. Uh, there's an add-on channel for Amazon, but I don't want to pay for CBS just to watch one show. So. Yeah, I'm kind of on that boat, too. So maybe it'll go to Netflix eventually, hopefully, <laughs> or something. I mean, if it ever comes to Hulu Standard, then I'll watch it. I mean, I'm paying for Amazon Prime, Netflix, Hulu, and Disney Plus right now. I've got way too much content to watch. And yeah. honestly, Star Trek is not one of those shows that's really gotten me too intrigued or enticed or drawn into it. You know, like I have nothing against it, but it's just not, it wasn't my jam. And I never yeah, watched all the shows. So I've seen a lot of episodes. I've seen a lot of like classic episodes like i saw the episode where they you get the water on the little fuzzball and it blows up a thousand times and like i've i've seen a lot of episodes but i never like watched the show front (laughs) to back ever yeah i was gonna say that they feed them after midnight (laughs) that would be a gremlin (laughs) gremlin. not a tribble tribble that's Um, the one yeah so i definitely oh go ahead nico sorry no that's it yeah, I I would love to check it out, and uh, certainly for the Anaheim Convention Center. I'm still a big fan of the original Battlestar Galactica using downtown Long Beach as the alien city. <laughs> uh, that's a, which deep, that's the, a deep cut, my friend, and I appreciate that. 
That was all for you, Dave. I uh, appreciate that. No, but the sad thing about that is they're um, they're tearing all that down. So if you want a glimpse of it before it goes, there's the original Battlestar Galactica, whatever city it was called. But you know, if they were really planning that, they would they would just march some Cylons down there and just like <laughs> just have them go to town on that whole area is what they should do. It's just some old school like silver Cylons, not the new ones that look like people, you know, the with the with the little red eye that goes <laughs> back and forth across their face. I by swear your, to God, by your command, Craig yeah. Lent. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, that is the best idea ever because the building's still standing, but it is the government building or or the Capitol building that they used in the show that's the main building they're tearing down. I'm like, if they did that with Cylons, that would be the most badass thing ever. <laughs> just recreate so, the entire moment from the show, just annihilate it. So there's another Battlestar Galactica reboot coming on the uh, the NBC streaming service that I'm sure Nico won't subscribe to, uh, Peacock. What? Yeah. Wait a minute. It's got the name Cock in it? I'm dead. Yes. <laughs> and P as well. P and Cock? Yes, P please. and Cock. You know, I am sorry to disappoint you, Dave, but I still have not finished the uh, the reboot of the Battlestar Galactica series, which I know disappoints you greatly, and that is one that is on my list of things to do. I, I, yeah, go yeah. ahead, Dave. Yeah, we're going we're gonna, to... That one should be at the top of the list, just because it's been out for a long period of time. Yeah, and, and since it, you've sat through all of Breaking Bad, I think the least I can do is finish off Battlestar Galactica. I yeah, I would agree with that. And I it's will say, I was dragged kicking and screaming to the Battlestar Galactica reboot, and absolutely loved it once I got into it, and could not put it down, could not wait for it to finish up. Yeah, you know, it's it's been so many years. I feel like I have to start it over though. That's the only problem. You should. And you know what? I gotta say it again. God damn, I'm in the same exact boat as Dave. I went kicking and screaming. I'm like, no one is gonna bastardize my original campy cheesy Battlestar Galactica. And by God, it is like probably in my top ten favorite shows of all time. It is fucking awesome. And and, and I I felt like they really stuck the landing. Yeah, in terms of the ending of that show, and I know a, a lot of people disagree with me, and I think it's uh, it's gained some notoriety in a bad way over the years. But I still love the ending and the wrap up of that show. The last uh, probably seven episodes just almost blend together as one one movie with chapter breaks as opposed to episodic television. Yeah, it's nice when they can. I mean, there's there's only a a few shows that are really able to to do that, you know, complete an arc like that. And and while Breaking Bad, well, as much as I love the ending of that, you know, they are they really are just kind of separate episodes. But you look at and, and the first one we're going to talk about is like the the Avatar cartoon that was originally on Nickelodeon. The last five episodes of Avatar, really just one cinematic experience. Um, yeah. uh, you, you talk Battlestar Galactica that it was was like that and it's 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 and the last episodes of clone wars too the ones from earlier this year the last episodes of clone wars the whole last arc there it's great when they can put it all together and you watch that episode and you just you can't wait to to get on to the next one it's fantastic it's so cool when they're able to do that yeah yeah that's battlestar galactica is the next series i'm going to pick up some classic stuff i haven't seen in a while i'm watching dexter right now just going back through it so I'm, I'm actually watching West Wing right now just to try to cheer myself up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> if only we could have Martin Sheen as president. Oh, oh my God. I would actually take would that be? I, I'd actually take his uh, Josh Brolin opponent at this point as president. <laughs> <laughs> 
or Alan Alda, like pretty yeah. much anybody. I do like how Scott's TV watching right now consists of all shows that were uh, filmed in Long Beach in one point or another. <laughs> That's kind of impressive. <laughs> you know, I, I get it to, to be to be fair to myself. It is fun to go back now because now I know what's going to happen. I've seen it a few times. So now I'm just like, yeah, oh, oh that's right there. I, I eat breakfast there all the time or used to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but my, my claim to fame on that show, I want to say this because I'm watching it right now. I got to be in season four. And I feel so honored that I got to be cut out. I think you only get to see my foot enter the screen and they cut the scene right there. So it's pretty awesome. But you swear it's your foot nonetheless. I know it was. I know because the guy riding the damn bike in front of me got into the scene and I didn't. So I'm still <laughs> uh, All right. Well, we're going to go plot that guy's murder. But in the meantime. <laughs> did I say murder? Did I say that out loud? Steve will edit it out. It'll be okay. Burger Hornets. Burger Hornets. I hope so. I'm really not going to kill him, guys. I'm really not going to kill him. It was a joke. Sure, you're not. (laughs) I'm just going to hurt him real bad. (laughs) (laughs) So, guys, episode 154 in the books. Week. Pretty happy about that. Hey, and you know what? We didn't talk about coming up this weekend, I don't think. What's that? Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all you listeners with kids. And to uh, those of us on the show with children. <laughs> I don't have kids. I was just trying to make you guys feel better for being old. Not yet, anyway. Not yet. I have a fur baby. Does that count? Oh, yeah. I have too many fur babies. Uh, the cat count, just for people keeping track, the cat count is still six, guys. Still six. But soon to be five. Soon to be five. And I can't wait for that day. Can't It'd wait to awesome. trip and, and, and if, step on one of the cats. Yeah. And if you'd like to help the cat count get to three, please email Greg Lance at thewretchedhivepodcast.net. <laughs> Reach out on our socials, guys. Reach out to the uh, to our Twitter account. Wretch High Pod, Instagram, uh, Wretched Hive 77, or Facebook.com. Facebook.com slash The Wretched Hive. You can reach out us there. You can also find us and leave us a review on iTunes if you would be so kind as to do that. Your reviews are very important to us continuing this little dog and pony show. Uh, leave us one star, five stars. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what we're doing wrong. I don't care. Just do it. Please. We would love to hear from you. If you got anything you want to uh, hear from us on the show, if you want to find out where you can find Stephen Carbonite, it's kind of like where's Waldo, you know? We have him stashed somewhere on the beach in Long Beach this week is where we have him. Just look for his little pointy head sticking out of the ground is what you got to look for. Guys, quickly, final thoughts. Quick. Uh, I like turtles. I don't watch the news because I'm a kid. Guys, I hope you have a great two weeks. We'll be back soon. Uh, May the force be with us all. All right. See you all next week. Question mark.